Hi everyone, Dr. Garrett Pachtinger here, board-certified critical care specialist and co-founder of VetGirl. In this VetGirl podcast, we're going to review hyperglycemic hyperosmolar syndrome, otherwise known as HHS. And to keep it short, we'll refer to this as HHS from now on. While many of us are familiar with diabetic ketoacidosis, DKA, which is a life-threatening form and complication of diabetes, one of the zebras that we see more often than a zebra at the zoo is this HHS syndrome. In older textbooks, you may find this listed as hyperglycemic, hyperosmolar, non-ketotic coma, or HONK, or non-ketotic hyperosmolar syndrome, NKHS, or a variety of other acronyms, but we are again going to call it HHS hyperglycemic hyperosmolar syndrome from now on. HHS is seen in patients with diabetes mellitus that have a profound hyperglycemia, usually greater than 600 milligrams per deciliter or 33.3 millimoles per liter, along with a hyperosmolarity greater than 320 milliosmoles per kilogram. They also have extreme dehydration, CNS depression, absent to low ketonemia, and lack of a significant metabolic acidosis, typically a pH greater than 7.3. So how does this differ from diabetic ketoacidosis? Well, with HHS, there's a very mild acidosis. As I said earlier, the pH is usually greater than 7.3, and either no ketones or really a very trace amount of ketones, but not that severe acidosis or significant level of ketones seen in your DKA patients. With that said, the approach to understanding and diagnosing a patient with HHS is very similar to that of diagnosing and understanding your DKA patients. But before we get into diagnosing HHS, let's understand this a little bit more. In order to appreciate abnormal, we first have to appreciate what is normal. And in health, insulin's produced from the beta cells in the islets of Langerhans found primarily in the pancreas. Both DKA and HHS patients have either a relative or absolute deficiency of insulin in combination with an abundance of counter-regulatory hormones. In these patients, the cells are either not producing enough or any insulin at all, resulting in elevated levels of those counter-regulatory hormones such as glucagon, catecholamines, and cortisol. All of these hormones promote glycogenolysis and gluconeogenesis in the liver. While the liver is then stimulated to produce glucose, the cells can't use that glucose due to the lack of insulin and high catecholamine concentrations, which also reduces the uptake of glucose by those peripheral tissues. The combination of our increased production of glucose and decreased use or uptake of glucose results in hyperglycemia. Going back to that comparison of DKA and HHS, in the DKA patient, the combination of the absolute insulin deficiency and elevated catecholamines, cortisol, and growth hormones activates and releases hormone-sensitive lipase, which then results in the breakdown of triglycerides, leading to release of free fatty acids, and that's how you get your ketogenesis from those fatty acids from that adipose tissue. As compared to DKA, HHS patients, we don't see that ketogenesis. 
One theory is that these HHS patients have even small amounts of circulating insulin and therefore only a relative insulin deficiency. The presence of even small amounts of this insulin prevents the development of ketones by preventing lipolysis, as we just discussed, is seen in our DKA patients. So what's so bad about all of this glucose? Well, hyperglycemia then leads to glucosuria. That results in an osmotic diuresis and subsequent dehydration. In the HHS patients, they're also going to have decreased perfusion to their kidneys, which causes even less glucose excretion and worsening hyperglycemia. So these HHS patients tend to have a relative lack of insulin, persistent hyperglycemia, and an osmotic diuresis with counter-regulatory hormone release. And again, very little acidosis and little to no presence of ketones. What are the clinical signs we should be looking for? Could this be an HHS patient? Well, common clinical signs and illness in HHS patients include dehydration, hypothermia, lethargy, mental depression, and even coma. Other signs, abdominal pain, vomiting, anorexia, they can also have additional neurologic signs due to their hyperosmolarity, such as an abnormal PLR, pupillary light reflex, circling, pacing, and even seizures. Now I know, much of the signs that I just reported easily could be seen in our DKA patients as well. So let's again review the criteria for HHS patients as compared to our DKA patients. Well, in our HHS patients, the glucose is usually very high, usually greater than 600 milligrams per deciliter. My anecdotal clinical experience is while DKA patients are hyperglycemic, it's closer to the three, four, maybe even five hundredths, but they rarely reach that 600 or greater stage. HHS patients are also hyperosmolar, greater than 320 millimoles per liter. Profound dehydration, lack of significant acidosis, a pH greater than 7.3, a bicarb greater than 15 milliequivalents per liter, little to no evidence of ketonemia or ketonuria, and alterations in their level of consciousness with mental depression. So hopefully this was a good first look at HHS hyperglycemic hyperosmolar syndrome and how it differs from our more common DKA patients. What are the common criteria and what are their clinical signs? In my next podcast, part two, talking about HHS, I'm gonna review diagnostic approach, treatment options, as well as prognosis. So stay tuned.